Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest today is Danira Barrero, who is Vice President of Operations at OmniDirect, Inc. Today we will discuss direct marketing to United States Latinos. Danira is responsible for online marketing initiatives, client services, and product campaign management. She serves as co-chair of the U.S. Hispanic Council and co-chair of the Retail Council for the Electronic Retail Association. With over 20 years of global marketing and commercial operations experience, Danira has led a number of successful global product launches using direct-to-consumer traditional brand marketing as well as business-to-business models. Prior to joining Omni, Danira led and managed a $300 million global business unit for Johnson & Johnson. She also spent several years in the company's Latin American division, starting up a business franchise and launching the company's first regional e-commerce platform. Danira received an MBA from Columbia University Business School. Danira, welcome. Thank you, Elena. That was a nice introduction. <laughs> it's all you. Let's let's get really down to the basics before we get into the topic proper, if you will, or the topic as it relates to the Latino market in the United States. And let me just ask you, how would you define direct marketing? What exactly is direct marketing? Because I think that there's a lot of misconception or a lot of misunderstandings on what that means. Basically, when we're talking about direct response marketing, um, we're we're talking about direct-to-consumer marketing. That is, you're bypassing the retail distribution and you're marketing directly to the consumer and the consumer could purchase the product directly from the marketer. So it is, you know, those typical infomercial type um, advertisements you may see um, on the radio, on TV, on the web, like call now or click now and, 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 and order. And in that case, you are ordering directly from the manufacturer or marketer um, versus going through a retail distribution. And why would you do that? I know it may sound like a silly question, right? No, no, it's, it's actually a common question. Basically, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense for the for the ma- for the marketer because by ba- bypassing retail distribution, you're cutting out all those additional costs that it takes to. Um, actually ship the product to, you know, fragmented uh, distributors uh, across the country, in this case in the U.S., um, and um, all the additional advertising it takes to get business-to-business uh, distributors and, and, and distributing your product. So you're really reducing the cost of distribution and fulfillment. And then hopefully you could pass those savings on to the customer so you could get, you, you, you typically get very good deals when you're purchasing products through a direct response model. What types of products or products and services are ideally suited for this kind of marketing? That's a, that's a good question. I mean, um, uh, many, I'm sure anybody in the audience are familiar with those typical as-seen-on-TV products, you know, those um, gadgets or types of products that you didn't even know that you needed until you saw that advertisement um, out there uh, and you said, okay, well, that would be something good for me to buy. That is, so you, you span from like the typical as-seen-on-TV products, I, I guess, um, you know, the Snuggie, for example, or 
um, that that was very popular the past two years, a very very popular direct response item, um, or the Jacqueline Power Juicer, for example, something you could buy on TV or or, or through a radio campaign and through a one eight hundred number. To um, really typical brand marketers actually use direct response as well, and um, you can use it by the way to um, get your consumer base to call in or log on to download a coupon, for example. Um, um, that's typically used on the on the brand marketing side as well. Um, so you're basically getting your brand name out there, but you're also giving consumers a direct access to um, to discounts or special offers that they can use. And brand marketers actually like a direct response model as well because um, they can measure the effect of their advertisement by their response, uh, by the consumer response to it. So instead of sort of waiting months and months for uh, an advertising campaign to take its effect and them seeing the sales at the retail stores, they can actually get leading indicators by the response they get from their direct response advertisements. Um, so if an advertisement is working, they'll know almost immediately by the amount of calls or logons they get or downloads they get from, from the uh, commercial campaign. So to answer your question, it could be any, anywhere from typical as-seen-on-TV gadgets-type products to brand uh, products, to branded products that you actually do see in, the re- in retail distribution typically. And it also could be for service-oriented companies. You see a lot of um, car insurance, life insurance companies, uh, telecommunication service companies um, using a direct response model to have people call in to learn more about the company um, so that they can generate a lead. So it could, it could span in terms of what products or services are good for this model. Are there products and services, has anything come to mind that is really not a good fit for this method of marketing? Are there industry channels that you would automatically say, no, but we, we can't help you? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, not off the top of my mind. I mean, it's more of, you know, what, what you have to look at your strategy. I mean, if you're looking to do a corporate strategy marketing campaign, you wouldn't, you wouldn't use a direct response model, um, because you're, 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 you're mostly, uh, focused on, um, getting your brand out there and an awareness level. You don't necessarily want to generate a, an immediate response. Um, so it, it really has to do with, you know, what's your marketing strategy versus um, what industry or product you're trying to uh, promote, um, if that makes sense. Of course. Yeah, you're everything. looking for direct response to give you an immediate, you, you look at direct response marketing to give you an immediate uh, response, something that you want immediate reaction to versus a long-haul name recognition marketing campaign. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, that's okay. Is there a segment within the overall market, and we can talk about mainstream or Latino market, but when you're looking at your potential audience that is most likely to be responsive to direct marketing efforts, is there a particular profile that you know right away, oh, this type of customer is going to respond well and this type of customer is less likely to respond to direct marketing efforts? Yes. 
there are products and services that we market, say, to, you know, the gamut of demographic profiles, everywhere from um, direct to children all the way to um, the older 65-plus generation. But when you're talking about in general, you know, for the most part, um, our, our, we look at products and services that target women on uh, 25 and over um, as the most likely to succeed type of uh, category. Um, women 25 and older do tend to respond um, the best and the most to these types of campaigns. Now, when you say women 25 and over, are you talking about the general market or are you specifically referring to the Latino market in the United States? Um, actually, in this case, it refers to both. Um, Latinos as a population are, are just younger in general than the general market. Um, so in general, um, w- women tend to be younger. The, re- the respondents for Latino campaigns tend to be younger than the general market campaign. But um, both in the general market and for the Hispanic market, direct response uh, products and services that are kind of directly targeting uh, women 25 and older do have a, uh, a high rate of response. And that's okay. not to say, and I started this, it's not to say that uh, we don't have product categories that target men or target a younger or older profile, because we do. But um, if if we want, if you want me to kind of do a broad stroke and say, you know, for the most part, you know, the majority of our campaigns are targeting women over 25. Okay, well, that that helps us sort of get the the general picture, if you will. Mm-hmm. What tools do you use to reach th- these target? Groups, because obviously for different products you're going to have different ones, and very specifically when we're talking about the broad stroke, women 25 and older. Are we talking specifically about television, since that is also the most powerful tool for the general market in terms of marketing efforts? How do you go about reaching your audience? Um, that's a good question. Most of our campaigns are what we call multi-channel which means that we use uh, various media channels um, to get to our target audience and generate response. Um, Most of the time, I would say 90% of the time, though, we launch an initial media test through television. And the reason being is that um, it is the quickest uh, and most direct way to get to our market, the critical Hispanic mass market, in a way that uh, it, it, because it's, it, it reaches the largest uh, amount of audience in the shortest amount of time. So we also use, for example, radio. We use print. We use the Internet. Um, and we use it uh, all in an integrated way once we roll out the campaign. But the TV channel is the best way for us to test the campaign initially to see what kind of response we, we should expect from a, from a multi-channel campaign. Um, and that's mostly because what I said, it reaches the largest audience in the quickest way to give us the best and quickest read initially. Now specifically relating to the U.S. Latino market, let's talk a little bit about those efforts and how it might be similar or different to other efforts. Let me clarify. A lot of people ask the question, why is it necessary to 
do a separate campaign to reach out to the emerging markets, in this particular case, the Hispanic market. And some people bring up the issue of language. Other people bring up the issue of culture. What are the reasons that drive you to designate a campaign as a United States Latino campaign? Well, um, I mean, I'm pausing a little bit because there's a lot of ways to answer that question. Um, and, and a lot of it depends on, uh, again, your product and your service and um, your marketing strategy and um the research that you need to do in terms of um, how your product and service resonates with this market or can resonate with this market and uh, the market potential for it. So, you know, given or assuming that there's uh, some research done up front, and I encourage all my clients to do that, and we, we actually do it for our clients in many cases, where we actually um, try to size the market potential for any given product or service for the Hispanic market. Um, and so you could, you could quantify, actually, the potential by marketing to the Hispanic market in Spanish language campaigns. Now, that being said, and assuming there's, um, you know, good due diligence and market research done, uh, basically, um, Hispanics consume media in both languages. U.S. Hispanics consume media in both English and Spanish. In fact, um, 75% of the Hispanic population consumes media in both Spanish and English language. Um, 11% of the Hispanics consume media only in Spanish and 14% only in English. So for the most part, um, if you want to reach Hispanics, um, y- you will reach them both through English media channels and Spanish language media channels. The difference, though, is that um, if you do reach them through, if you do have both an English campaign and a Spanish campaign, you're more likely to resonate with this market. Almost five times, um, Spanish language campaigns are almost five times more persuasive than commercials in English to this market. There's been a lot of research done around that that's proven that over and over again, and we see it with our own campaigns. Um, they also shown to be over 60% more effective in terms of awareness levels. So if you're marketing on English only, are you marketing a product or service in English only media channels or English language only media cha- channels? Basically, you're going to be reaching Hispanics. You're going to be no doubt reaching U.S. Hispanics. But if you want it to really hit home and be more effective, um, you know, their recall and awareness levels are going to be increased exponentially. Um, if you have Spanish language campaigns. And, and, and it has to do a lot with, you know, their language preferences. It has to do a lot with cultural uh, background and how they, they do tend to be more loyal to those advertisers who advertise in Spanish language. And um, Hispanics in general are 20% um, more likely to be uh, brand loyal to a particular product or service um, than the general market. So if if you have a successful campaign rolling out, um, there's no doubt that you're already reaching Hispanics through your general market campaign. But if you want the message to hit home and have a very loyal base of customers that are growing, it really pays off to develop your creative in Spanish language as well. Um, We've seen with our own campaigns, many of our clients, um, we only have a handful that only do Spanish language only, but many of our clients have done general market campaigns and look to us for their crossover efforts, that is, um, taking their 
their marketing elements and, and, and having it targeted to the Hispanic market. And in, in almost all of those uh, cases, we've seen that they've been able to increase their overall revenue levels anywhere from 15% to 30% increase in their revenue by just having Spanish language campaigns. So it does just it just makes good business sense. Um, if if you've already decided that you want to reach Hispanics, that this this market, which is growing and it's a critical mass at this point, is important to you, and you're looking for the incremental increase in revenues, it, it makes a lot of sense to advertise in Spanish language. Danira, is that across the board, or is it does it relate specifically to specific segments? Let me restate that. Do, does the response rate that you were referring to a moment ago refer to specific segments that respond more strongly when you reach them in English and in Spanish, or is that across the board for all Hispanics regardless? Uh, you mean demographic segments or, you know, categories of products? It, well, it could be it could be either. In other words, okay. I, I've heard from, from from some people who say that for their particular product, it doesn't make sense to reach out to the market in Spanish because their consumers are already receiving the information through mainstream outlets because they're English dominant or English preferred. But you're saying that your research indicates that your results indicate that Spanish language, in addition to existing English language efforts, are the most effective. Did I understand correctly? Yeah, ab- absolutely. No, I mean, if you've if you've narrowed down your Hispanic potential to be that small segment that's completely acculturated, only speaks English, and only and only uh, looks at English language uh, media. If that's what you've narrowed down your target segment to be within Hispanic, yeah, I, I would definitely say, okay, um, maybe it's not worth it. But that is a very small, you know, subset of the overall U.S. Hispanic population. I mean, no doubt, with an English campaign, you will be reaching the majority of U.S. Hispanics. Um, it, but they also do uh, listen and respond better to Spanish language campaigns. I, I said it before, I mean, research has shown that 75% of the Hispanic population consumes media in both languages. And it also shows that um, the message resonates better when it's in Spanish language and is more powerful in terms of brand loyalty and a motivation to purchase a product. Um, but again, like I said, if you've narrowed down your segment so specifically to that U.S. Hispanic that's acculturated and only speaks English and only listens and uh, uh, consumes media in English language, well, then, of course, I would say um, go ahead and just keep your English campaign in place. When you refer to research that indicates that 75% of the U.S. Hispanic market which is depending on what data you use. But let's be conservative, 45 million. What is the source of that data? Who conducted the research? Yeah, you know, I, when I'm quoting it, it is just off the top of my head, so I, I will have to get back to you, Elena. It is um, it is research-based, and I think I got it from a Synovate study that we recently purchased, but I could follow up with you on that. Sorry, okay. I don't have it right in front of me. 
that's okay. It's just I know a lot of our listeners are going to be curious to get Yeah, more I'm details. pretty sure it was from our Synovate research study that we just purchased, which they just released in 2010. Um, but I, I will have to uh, confirm that. Okay, great. Now, you yourselves were involved, talking about research, you yourselves were involved in research recently relating to language issues and specifically websites and language issues. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, and it just speaks to, you know, the conversation we just had. You know, it's not, you know, when you're trying to reach the U.S. Hispanic market, it's not, you know, plain and simple, I'll put together a Spanish language campaign and everything I do, you know, including the website and the collateral materials will be in Spanish and I'll reach my target, you know. Um, we know, just as we just spoke, um, that Hispanics um, operate in both languages. Um, they may go to work and speak English and transact in English um on, you know, at a business level, but they may go home then and put on Spanish language TV. Um, they live in multi-generational households, so very likely they're living with a parent or grandparent who only speaks Spanish. Um, and so they, they operate, you know, very easily or they cross over very easily between, uh, both languages. And, um, we had a sense, um, especially as the, the, the online behavior and the on, online usage of Hispanics have been growing over the past few years, we had a sense of, um, you know, that, that Hispanics were actually transacting and, and putting their orders through, um, through the English language uh, websites that we had put up versus the Spanish language websites, even though um, many of our campaigns were uh, in Spanish language, so um, but we wanted to gather data and uh, do a little research in terms of um, the actual, you know, data and behavior that's happening in that space. So we took two of our campaigns that we only promote in Spanish language. Um, these were our products um, that we market ourselves. Uh, we're an agency and we perform. Um, uh, Spanish language, U.S. Hispanic DR uh, services um, to clients, but we also sell our own products to the market through direct re- through, through direct response model. So we took two of the products that we sell directly. Um, one is called Alessa, which is um, sort of like a, a, a wrinkle scar reduction cream, health and beauty category. And we also took a, another product um, called Extreme Bra, which is a slimming garment, and those two campaigns we basically only promoted and only advertised in Spanish language media channels. Um, that's both, uh, we, we advertise them in print media, in TV, and online through search marketing efforts. And those were done basically just in Spanish language. Um, we then had two websites, both an English website and a Spanish website um, that we actually had out there for um, for the response. So, for example, the advertisement basically said, if you want to order, either call this number, 1-800-blah-blah-blah, or log on to www.extremebroad.tv, for example. Um, and so then we tracked where these orders were coming from. So two things were interesting to us. We did this for an 18-month period. We released a study in February of 2010 
Um, so we were marketing these campaigns, both these campaigns, since um, the fourth quarter of 2008 um, in Spanish language. So two, two things we saw. The first thing that was very interesting to us was that um, when we looked at the data for these two campaigns, um, the amount of orders that were actually being processed through the Internet went from 10% of the overall orders um, for both campaigns coming through the Internet. The other 90% was done through telemarketing, that is calling the 1-800 number. And it, that 10% grew all the way to 25% by February of 2010. So we saw a considerable growth in the amount of Hispanic consumers that were actually logging onto the Internet to purchase the product versus calling the 1-800 number. So we did see a considerable growth in online uh, usage. The other thing we saw, which, which was the main uh, point of this study, and which was very interesting for us as direct response marketers as well, because we love you know, data and analytics, um, basically we saw that um, out of all the web orders that were coming through, even though the products were only advertised in Spanish language, um, 60% of the orders for the Alessa products were coming through the English site, and 80% of the Extreme Bra orders were coming through the English site. So in both cases, the majority of web orders were being processed through the English site. Um, and that was a significant finding for us, uh, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. Um, First off, uh, many times um, when we're working with clients uh, that have two campaigns going on, English and Spanish, um, many times they underestimate the impact of the Spanish language campaign because they're only counting the orders coming through the web in the Spanish language site. And... Uh, they, it's hard for it's hard for them to measure it, but they don't take into consideration the portion of English language um, orders that have come through uh, through the English site, but have been marketed through Spanish language campaigns. So, you in many cases, and what we know is that the impact of the direct response campaign um, is a lot greater than what is being measured um, typically which is just the Spanish language site. So that was, pretty, that was a pretty impactful uh, finding for us. So then we decided to, and this was part of the study as well, to recruit some of our clients to be part of the study. And it was hard to do this because in order for them to do it, to, to really be part of the study, they would have to suspend their English language campaign so that we could re- reduce all the noise and additional data that was coming through the, through the English language campaigns. We had to suspend the English language campaigns and just have them run Spanish language only campaigns so that we can see for that campaign during that period of time how many orders were coming through the English site from the Spanish language campaign. So we, uh, we did have uh, one client who was willing to do it because they were very data focused and they really, if they were going to make decisions on Spanish language investments in the future, they really wanted to understand the impact, the, the, the true impact and accurate impact of the Spanish language campaign. Um, and this particular uh, client is a very, very big, well-known uh, marketer for direct response as seen on TV products. Um, and they were planning on moving into a bigger investment for Hispanic campaigns. So they really were interested in doing this, and they were willing to suspend their English language campaign. They suspended their English language campaigns for two weeks, 
And within those two weeks, basically, um, the data that we got was that over, first off, um, over 25%, I think it was uh, exactly 26% of their orders were coming through the web versus through the 1-800 number. So 26% of the Hispanics that they were reaching chose to process their orders through the web versus calling a 1-800 number. So that was pretty uh, in line with our data. The other thing we noticed was that in this case, in their case, for this for their product, um, that 90% of the orders that were coming through to for the web, um, through the web, were transacted on the English site. So it really showed us that, again, as we spoke to before, that Hispanics operate in both languages. Um, and it looks like when it comes to web usage, they prefer and they choose to transact in English. And so that was a big finding for us, and that really led us to really conclude um, more accurate findings when we launch a Spanish language campaign that has an English language campaign running simultaneously. I hope that made sense. Yes, yes, it did, and it's very interesting and in line with what I've heard from a number of other marketing folks who are in a similar position to yours, meaning that they're, they have access to data about web access in response rates. I'm curious, Danira, did you monitor who was placing the orders? I know that online that would be difficult, but even on the phone calls, were, were you keeping track of who was placing the orders? Um, in terms of, you know, what was the demographic profile? In yes. In terms of, okay. Um, well, you know, it, it is it is a little difficult, but in both cases, the web and through telemarketing, um, you know, the, the profiles weren't that different. They were um, the Spanish language dominant, um, and again, the typical um, DR, what we call direct response uh, demographic profile, which is 25 and above. But we did not see that much difference between the telemarketer consumer and the web consumer. Um, we do assume, though, that um, the the consumer that is calling on the 800 number may not be as acculturated um, than the one that is uh, getting on the web. Um, and obviously, that, that seems to be the case if they're going through the English site as well. Um, there may be something going on as well with um, with the multi-generational household. So, for example, if you have the mom, for example, who's interested in purchasing a product, they may have um, their younger child, like teenager, you know, order it on the web, and maybe the teenager is going through the English site, but it's it's the mom who's receiving and wants and pays for the product. So we do think some of that is going on as well. That was exactly the thought that came to my mind mm-hmm. because, of course, of the the multi-generational households and the U.S. born or U.S. Um, children who have grown up in the United States are likely to be more comfortable with print content and an ordering process in English because, of course, they're going to school and studying in English. Yeah, that's that's for sure um, something to consider. The other thing to consider, and, and we know this for sure, is that the um, 
most most folks, this is the general market and the U.S. Hispanic, they usually don't go directly to the website, you know, directly put in um, the URL. Um, what they, most um, online consumers, they go into a search engine like Google or MSN or Yahoo and type in the product or, or even the URL name, but within the search engine. So it's the search engines that are getting to this website. And what we do know is that search engines... Um, you know, based on their protocols, tend to um, show the sites that have more traffic, you know, as in terms of their priority listings. And the English site, you know, by definition is going to have more traffic um, because the population is bigger. So the English sites, if you put the product name in the search engines, the English sites would actually come up before the Spanish language sites. So, um, and we do know that, you know, when you're transacting, you, you really just need to put in your, 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 your address and your credit card number. There's not a lot of, uh, language capabilities needed for that. And, and, and Hispanics are used to, especially in the U.S., that Hispanics are used to transacting, you know, in English. Um, just because, you know, they have to. But, it, you know, we know that the search engines pick up the English sites better, uh, faster and prioritize them more. Um, so they're more likely to reach the English site before they get to the Spanish site, and they're more likely just to stay there and process. So that's happening, too, in addition to the multi-generational household uh, 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 problem as well. Not a problem, but that, that behavior as well. Um, and, and also, Spanish language or Spanish-dominant um, consumers online uh, we do know that they're, uh, they, ha- they do have a tendency to transact in English online because the Spanish sites in the United States are not, many times they're um, not translated well, they're not kept up to date like the English sites are. So many of the Hispanics online do even prefer to stay on the English site because they feel like they're getting better information on them as well. So all those three, all those things are going on um, that may that may actually make this happen. So the multi generational household, the likelihood that the search engine is going to take them to the website that has a higher traffic, which is going to be the English language website, mm-hmm. and the likelihood that they're going to select an English language website given a choice because they perceive that to be the better, more up-to-date website. Yeah, they trust it more in terms of its accuracy, yeah, and its up-to-date type of content. Did you gather any data relating to the search engines that were used to reach the websites? You know what? Um, We did not actually look into that. Um, but it, it we, I, I have kind of occasionally gone in and say where, where, where are they coming from? And we do, we do see most of them coming from the Google search engine. I mean, you have some coming from the typical, like, um, Spanish language, uh, search engines and even from Univision and Telemundo, uh, dot com, but, um, it has always been the case that you see most of them coming in through Google. So Google dominates in the Spanish language. Spanish language as well, yes. But uh, you know, th- we should we should look into that more. Maybe there's some nuanced differences in terms of uh, their search engines. It's a good point. 
Tanira, I spoke with someone recently who also is involved in marketing efforts. And one of the things that they discovered in her company was that although they had a Spanish language website that was all shiny and new and well maintained, that to their very big surprise, the vast majority of U.S. Hispanics, even when their language preference was perceived to be Spanish, was visiting the English language website and making purchases from the English language website over the Spanish language website. And what they found was that the Spanish language website was receiving visitors from outside the country. Does that sound like what you've seen or what what might reflect a little bit of what you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, it's it's very much in line with our findings and for all the reasons we just mentioned. Yes, and we do get a lot of inquiries internationally from our Spanish language site. I think that has a lot to do with the search engine capabilities, too, and, and, and the different search engines, uh, you know, available throughout the world and what languages they have as preferences. Um, there is a way to, when you're doing a search, to um, to switch your language preference from English to Spanish. Most um, most um, online uh, users in the U.S. will not do that, only because it precludes them from from seeing other sites that they're interested in, um, because most sites in the U.S. are done in English. Um, so yeah, we did we did also see a lot of we see a lot of international traffic and inquiries coming through our Spanish language site, but everything else that she noticed um, was very much in line with our findings. If somebody approached you and said, okay, Danira, we are about to launch a marketing campaign and we would like your insights, say one of our listeners who's paying close attention to our discussion today, Mm -hmm. and they are considering what to do. They have a limited budget. Let's just, for the sake of argument, say 10. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use 10 because it's a nice round number. They say, look, Danira, we have $10, and we either spend all $10 on a Spanish language website or all $10 on an English language website, although we want to reach out to the Spanish language dominant, Spanish dominant Latinos as well as bilingual Latinos. We only have limited funds. What would you recommend if they offered you those two choices? All in all, their funds to an English language website, or all their funds to a Spanish language website. Well, don't get me wrong. There's still uh, a good amount of orders being processed through the Spanish language site, and it's also important to have a Spanish language presence, um, especially if you're trying to build loyalty um, with this, you know, over time. Um, so. To answer your question directly, I would say, you know, it doesn't take that much if you have an English site um, to actually what we call transcreate the content. So the design of the site can remain the same. Um, What you want to do is um, translate and adapt the content so that uh, it's in line with your your creative, your Spanish-language creative. Um, and so when they do find the site, they, they know that it's, they, you know, they found the right site. Um, so, but it doesn't take that much to do that. Once you uh, basically establish, design the site and you have your um, web designers put it together and it's programmed, 
um, you could use the same templates and um, you can have an agency kind of adapt the, the content, and which should not take much. Um, so my suggestion was spend, you know, eight of those dollars in developing your site in English, especially if, if you're um, doing a simultaneous English-Spanish campaign. And, you know, it would probably only take two of those dollars to do a transcreation and um, keep your same design, keep the same design elements, and just adapt the content. And you could have a Spanish-language site for, for a lot less than you think. Now, I've heard from experts in the past that offering Spanish-language brochures or Spanish-language websites is more complex than it appears at first glance because by offering the information in that medium, you are saying to the consumer that you can communicate with them in that language. And so if you offer the materials on a website in Spanish or in a brochure, they expect that they're going to be able to speak with someone when they call the customer, when they call the customer service line and that someone will speak Spanish and that they will be able to receive information in Spanish, etc. And so what they're saying is that it's much more complex. There needs to be more depth to your offering than just, say, a home page that's in Spanish. Do you find yeah. that to be the case? Absolutely. I mean, if you're going to do creative in Spanish, you need to make sure your back end is, um, is built to support Spanish language, your Spanish language customer. Um, there is an underlying, uh, underlying assumption that... Um, you know, you're going to be able to pick up and get a customer service who speaks Spanish and, and that somebody's going to be able to help you if you only speak Spanish. So there, there is an underlying assumption there. It's not just about putting out an advertisement in, in Spanish. Um, but that, that being said, I mean, most call centers today in the U.S. Um, have Spanish language capabilities. So if you're outsourcing your customer service, um, th- there is most likely that you, they're going to have Spanish language capabilities, and if 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 they don't, you should expect that of them, especially in in a country that has 15% of the U.S. population um, that is Hispanic. So, and you have Spanish language campaigns, you should expect that from them. So, you know, I would definitely say yes, you should have to um, have a customer service capability on your back end. I don't see any um, need to necessarily change, for example, the, your, the language on your packing slip to Spanish. Um, but, you know, if there's any kind of warnings or um, key instructions, um, you do need to have that in Spanish language as well, I mean, um, in respect to the customer. Um, but absolutely, if you have a product or service that has a back-end um, need for customer service, you would need to have a customer a Spanish language capability built in. Let's go a little further into that Spanish language capability and the issue that you mentioned in relation to your study. What you found, if I understood correctly, was that even though people were receiving the information initially in Spanish, 
when they went to place their orders, very many of those orders were being placed through an English language website, even when there was an opportunity to place a call and speak to someone in Spanish. Is that right? Yes. What would you say to your customers and to our listeners who want to let their customers know that they have Spanish language capability and that they want them as customers, but they feel frustrated because they're not seeing results, meaning sales, from that Spanish language website that they've set up with so much effort and so much care. That marketer that had to go to his or her boss and argue in favor of that Spanish language website and isn't seeing those sales reflected there, how can they deal with that issue and still keep the Spanish language website that you're saying is important? Well, first of all, you know, they can point to this study that says um, it's important to have a presence in Spanish language and, and, and even though um, most of the orders that are coming in um, may not be coming through the Spanish language website. They are being generated by the Spanish language campaign, and we've, we've shown that over and over again. Um, but like I said, um, when it comes to the website in Spanish language, um, if you have uh, a general market campaign going on in English language, it really does not take much to what I was calling transcreate it into, into a, a Spanish language content website. Um, there's really no reason to start from scratch and 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 do a very in very few cases you would justify you know a, a completely new website with different design elements and different creative uh, messages. Um, there's, there's there's usually very um, uh, little that needs to be changed from a design standpoint. Um, and, and more of a content to Spanish language. So it, it doesn't take much more to invest in a Spanish website, but you are what you are doing is um, basically having a presence and showing your presence in the Spanish language market. Um, it does, uh, you will get orders from it. Maybe not as many orders will be coming through the Spanish site, but you will be getting orders from it. Um, anywhere from 40 to 20 percent of the orders will be coming through your Spanish site, and um, you're going to be having a presence in the Spanish market that will resonate with them better, and your the brand loyalty will stay there longer. The study that you conducted, Daniela, focused on products. Do you believe that the same holds true of services? Um. I would say so, although our study w- was not focused on services, but I would say so. Most of the time when you use a direct response model for services, it's you're, you're trying to get them to, uh, you, you're basically trying to generate a lead and you follow up with um, maybe a salesperson doing an outbound call to describe more about the service and so forth. So I, I would say so. I don't see a reason why it would change. We do have a client that um, basically has a service and we have um, measured their their orders coming through the Spanish site and they have about um, 15 to 18% of their um, leads coming through the Spanish site. So based on our study and based on our discussions with them, we always assume um, the same amount, if not a little slightly more, of the leads that come through the English site that are being generated from the Spanish language campaign. 
what but I don't see why there would be a difference honestly okay thank you what three suggestions would you share with our audience Tanira who are interested in reaching out to Latinos and Spanish dominant Latinos and bilingual Latinos etc using direct marketing efforts what three suggestions would you should would you share with them to help them either start their efforts if this is the first time that they're going to do direct marketing to that market segment or if they want to improve their existing campaigns that maybe are sluggish or they think could uh, stand to some improvement yeah, there's, there's been many instances where some of our clients um, have come to us because they saw that um, their product uh, life cycles have kind of come to an end and they see a reduction in sales, but they've never um, marketed to the Hispanic market. And many times when they do that, it's almost like, you know, getting a whole new market open up to them. Um, we have one instance, one case recently um, our Emson, the client called Emson, and they sell the Ab Rocket, which is like um, uh, uh, an exercise product that helps you uh, firm up your abs. And it did really well on the English language side, um, but it was coming to the end of its uh, the life cycle. We launched it in the Hispanic market, and they were seeing results, um, you know, like they saw in the beginning of, of when they first launched uh, the product um, in English. Um, so what I would say is um, if you have a product that is at the end of the life cycle or the middle of the life cycle and you want to see some incremental revenue, I would say I would definitely encourage um, marketers to try the Hispanic market. And there's different ways to go about that. Um, you, you, you need to work with a marketing partner who really understands the Hispanic market. And um, there's not a cookie-cutter way of doing it. In, in many cases, it depends on your current creative and, and, and the actual product and your demographics. But in many cases, um, you can get away with um, doing a tra- a, just a direct translation and a dubbing and then test that through Spanish language media. And so you minimize your investment. Um, but you you get a good sense of whether or not it's going to resonate with the Hispanic market. But um, in many cases, you are going to have to do original production of your creative um, and invest a little bit more, but it, it, it depends on the size of your market potential. And then you would have to kind of, um, you know, go through a little bit more of a process in terms of understanding, you know, uh, what that creative looks like, you know, what is your demographic profile and, and kind of doing an original production uh, and doing the back end. Um, do we need to change any of the collateral material? How much of the back end do we need to change in terms of the fulfillment requirements and stuff like that? So, um, but you would need to work with a good marketing partner who has experience in the Hispanic market, who um, has Hispanic language or Spanish language capabilities, um, and 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 can point to successes under their belt, um, so that you can really uh, have a good chance of success out the door. Um, so that's that's the first thing, kind of working with a partner to assess, you know, what is a good strategy and how much of your creative elements. Um, and your current model you can actually leverage to test in, in the Hispanic market. The other thing I would say is, um, you know, you, you would really have to understand up front what kind of, um, you know, from a strategic standpoint, how much you want to invest in this market. 
many times um, we work with clients who, you know, I just want to give it a shot, kind of. I just want to give the Hispanic market a shot and and and, and see and see how it goes with a test. And many times uh, it it doesn't always work because it's a very short term kind of. Uh, visual that you're looking at and and so maybe the first test won't work but you want to kind of you know test a different version and if you're not committed up front you know you may be leaving a lot on the table in terms of assuming that maybe the Hispanic market didn't didn't do well for your product where you you probably should invest a little bit more in testing different options and so forth so I think you need to understand as a company up front whether or not you you're committed to giving this market a try, and I think you'll have a better chance of succeeding if you have a long-term perspective. And what would you say is the minimum that if somebody does want to give the market a try, what is the minimum time and budget investment that they need to contemplate? And I realize that's going to vary depending on the kind of penetration and the, the market efforts they want to embark on. But just as a general point a rule of thumb, if you will, is there a minimum that you would say, you know, if you're just going to do this for a week, don't, because you're not going yes. to be seeing results. What kind of timeline and money are we talking about? Well, I'm going to speak in very general terms because, of course, you know, it totally depends. It depends on how far along you are with the English language campaign. It depends if you need original production versus a dubbing versus a translation or a mix. So it depends on all that. But in general, we do recommend, like I said earlier, a, a TV, um, if, if the product lends itself for that medium, a, a TV uh, media test. Um, and that could be between ten and $20,000 for two weeks, uh, two-week run. And that will give you a good read um, to test further. So... Um, that would give you a good read to understand what 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 stations it worked best in, if it resonated, if the messages resonated. Now that's just the media uh, buy. Um, when it comes to creative, you know, depending if you're going to use a lot of the design elements and a lot of the creative elements already, um, it could range everywhere, anywhere from you know uh, three to four thousand dollars to do just the dubbing where where we recommend sometimes actually if it's just a commercial that just has voiceover and 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 the design elements and the images and the visuals are in line with the the cultural elements of the Hispanic campaign sometimes we we would recommend that um, or an adaptation of a print campaign or an adaptation of a radio campaign so that could be anywhere between four or five thousand dollars all the way to original production from $50,000 plus, you know. So that that kind of gives you an idea. Um, and I say plus is because if you want celebrity endorsements or, you know, how, if it's an infomercial versus a short-form commercial uh, versus just radio versus, you know, print. But if you're looking at a multi-channel campaign um, with no celebrity endorsement, it's going to be between fifteen dollars and $80,000 for a creative uh, production. And about two weeks, at least, to try. At least to do the initial test and give you an initial read. Most of the time, ninety percent of the time, even if it's a, it shows initial success. You're tweaking it. You're going to be going back and and tweaking uh, your media plan. You're going to go back and tweaking your message. You're going to be going back and tweaking your inbound script. You know, for your sales reps. So, 
you know, 90, more than 90% of the time you're going to be tweaking after the two-week media test and, and, and continue. Um, but that's what I would say is a minimum you should expect for a test with an expectation to tweak afterwards. <laughs> and, of course, you said earlier... And, again, it's totally ballpark, you know. Of course, because it's going to depend on the customer-specific issues. Mm -hmm. And you said earlier that measurement is easy because you see the results fairly quickly, right? Well, that's the beauty of direct response. I mean, for general market or Hispanic, the beauty of direct response is that you get an immediate read on your advertising efforts. You even get an immediate read in which media channels are working best for you. Um, and even within the media channels, like which which outlets are working best for you. So, if, you know, if you try print, you're going to know which magazines are working best for you. If you try TV, you're going to know which, you know, stations are working best for you, which time parts are working best for you, because you'll have a different call to action for each one of those medias, so a different 1-800 number, if you will, uh, for each one of those mediums. So the, the beauty of direct response is that you'll know exactly, you know, which demographics are responding to you most, which media channels are responding to you most, and, you know, and which outlets. And you could, once you go through that initial test, you refine it and you refine it so that your results are getting better and better every time you roll out another test. Thank you, Danira, for joining us from Miami, Florida. Well, thank you, Elena. Appreciate the time that you gave me. Absolutely. And to our audience, thank you for listening to Daniro Barrero, who is Vice President of Operations at OmniDirect, Inc. Today we discuss direct marketing to United States Latinos. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicMPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at HispanicMPR.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com.